What's up, Gorilla Social Workers? Welcome to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Ranga Moore and yours faithfully, Mace Warren. Jeff and I are both forensic psychotherapists that specialize in the clinical treatment of folks involved in the criminal justice system. We love sharing our misguided musings with all of you, and we thank you so much for your ongoing listenership. The boys sit down today to discuss sex offender restrictions and trick-or-treating. This leads into a discussion about imprudent supervision practices. They wrap up the episode talking about none other than mannequin rape. You won't want to miss this. So without further delay... Yeah, man, I was, um, I was thinking about, uh, adding a new addition to the podcast room though. Listening to some new edition. Yeah. So I got this new edition CD. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. Right. And, <laughs> dope. <laughs> Dude, when was new edition like a thing when we were kids or I think, was that before us? I think it, like, I, I mean, think it was after us. Yeah, like, I think that's for like, <laughs> we're still here, man. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Point taken. After us. No, like, like we were growing up, I think by the time new edition got popular, right? I don't know. When no. did new edition? Yeah. What were, cause what, we had like, was new, it R and B? Is that had, what it was? It was like new kids on the block stuff. No. Like in sync. No, no, no. It no? was no new edition was What's like R and B. They had that. Uh, yeah. It was like, I think it was, was it a boy band kind of, but it wasn't, it wasn't like in sync. <laughs> I mean, it like, was it, the, Okay, I know what you're saying. Boy bands yeah. have like boy band music. Mm-hmm. New Kids on the Block was clearly like What's a new edition song? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you you brought this up. You brought the CD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love CDs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy a CD these you brought days. This dope CD. New <laughs> yeah. edition. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh but no, I got a for my for my birthday, my my sister drew me a picture you want to see this yes you gotta you gotta be able to guess who this is though shout out to monty bargsley i've bought this is my my second art artist rendering of hers she's a legit artist too check that out she is talented dude yeah so for those of you who don't know and who can't see this is uh trent Reznor, uh the lead singer of my actual favorite band, Nine Inch Nails. So, yeah, but that man, I didn't know she had the talent, bro, dude. My whole family is talented when it comes to drawing. Yeah, yeah you can draw, huh? I can draw. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of gave. You just it thought up. it was a waste of time. Yeah, I did. I mean, she Dang. she took it to she, like she's had a few art studio things that um, I've went to. They were really cool. So yeah, but I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, well, somebody just said draw this. You know what I mean? Man, that's really good. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing I was thinking about was, <laughs> I was kind of like, <laughs> remember like when, uh, well, I can't even remember what cartoon we were watching. I think it was just some new Disney one or one of those illumination ones. And you just saw like the water, you know, and like somebody's, like, Hey, can you draw that? <laughs> 
Well, it's just well, like it's just the animation is just so sophisticated. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, it looks so like realistic and everything these days compared to like when we were kids. Dude, like those Pixar. Yeah, just I mean, the water, water is what looks unreal. I know, but well, dude, it looks real. I dude, guess. go back and watch like Five Goes West or The Secret of Nim. I'm like, oh, pretty this brutal, huh? Welfare animation. Yeah, <laughs> get, this, get this shit out of my face. Yeah. I'm gonna watch this, dude. I, I. I'd have to like, from what I remember, yeah, it is pretty basic yeah. animation in those. And I used to think it was so cool, like so time consuming, you know, that they'd draw stuff. Yeah. And yeah, now I'm just like, oh, come on, give me this computer stuff. Yeah, absolutely. This southern, yeah. southern nonsense. Well, weren't, weren't movies like Lion King drawn though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that Because that's, I mean, it's no Pixar, but that's about, that was pretty good. It was aight. Yeah. Dude, Scar was the man in that yeah. show. You like Scar, you like Gaston. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. You I don't know why that. I dig the villains, but yeah. Gaston wasn't even really that bad of a guy. Yeah. No, no. not really. <laughs> yeah. No, he was all right. Yeah. He was, he was but dude, just it, a little bit flirtatious. And, well, I know, but here's the thing though. This is what I'm saying about Gaston. Like if anybody argues, this is him being the best villain. I mean, Come on, man. Yeah, he, well, a little bit flirtatious, a little bit rapey, you know. <laughs> Maybe a little, yeah. A little, I love how he said he ate five dozen eggs a day. I'm like, 60? <laughs> Damn, bro. <laughs> Dude's yoked. Yeah, but, but um, I mean, he's, th- that guy was hardcore. I mean, he would, without any pause at all, he's like, yeah, I'll just fight a beast. I'm like, what? Dude, that's a beast. Like, <laughs> it's kind of admirable. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't fight a cat. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> like, a yeah, beast? That, yeah, we did do that man versus beast thing. We didn't even put beast up there. Yeah. You think it could beat a beast. But if Gaston's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a subcategory of animals of beast. beast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. that's such a that's awesome. Yeah, speaking of rapey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I was gonna I was gonna talk to you. I was gonna get your uh, your thoughts on a couple of. Um, they're kind of they were pretty. Um, I don't know. Like they're, they're. I don't know if the word is silly, you know, or misguided. Misguided might be a better like uh, stories that I was looking for. I, I really wanted to kind of dial in and figure out what was what was going on. One's obvious, the other one's not so obvious. And I kind of wanted to get your take on this whole thing. Like like um, the like why what what's misguided? The, like the the intent behind the implementation of a thing? Yeah, so a lot of the times when we work with clients and you know whether it's juveniles or adults, you know that have a sex offense. Um I think people try to simplify a way to manage their behaviors like and sometimes by doing like i don't know like like little tricks or using technology to buffer that so let me give you like an example like um a simple one is i mean i think you worked with me and maybe and you've probably heard this before but like with juvenile sex offenders you know if i'm if i have a juvenile in my home and another, and maybe his victims in the home too, you know, or, and, um, and then they, they lock the door from the outside. Right. I mean, practical. Cause well, I mean, what do you think they're trying to prevent there? Their Entrance. parents are locking the yeah. door from the outside. Yeah. Entrance. They're probably. Oh, you're saying that parents are locking it from the outside. Locking uh, him oh, in his room. Oh from yeah. The okay. Outside. <laughs> Grounding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I'm also like, that's a major fire hazard. dude. <laughs> like that That's a good point. Dead. Yeah. If, if there's yeah. a fire that starts yeah. or, um, 
like sometimes putting alarms on those really, you know, loud that's a lot of like go-to and safety planning. Right. Right. Which, which, um, historically I, some of those little things, I just don't know how well, I mean, I'd like to see a statistical report on how often that has prevented, you know, a sexual reoffense because that tends to be, you know, a lot of the offenses that we see are very opportunistic and that doesn't really provide an opportunity, not to mention it kind of shifts the attention away from the, the offender, like to the technology, like, well, I'm just going to manipulate this and kind of figure out this, you know, because purely external. Right, right, right. And not, not helping them kind of change their thought process in the meantime. I, so first off, I agree with you, but devil's advocate, that, that's one of those things that'd be impossible to measure. Like how many times have alarms prevented a sexual assault? Like that's like, who knows? Right, right. And I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, who well, knows? So then on the other end, I think some prophylactic measures, not the, those like kind of condom. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that, that prevents step stuff. right into that. Yeah. yeah I was saying like, some some measures I think do um I mean the example I've and maybe this is anecdotal, I don't know, but the example I was kind of thinking about was when some of our clients are wanting to use the internet and they have a no internet clause that's been put in place by either a judge or a board of pardons or you know, yeah, whatever. And um their PO allows for some sort of compromise by letting them put like a, you know, a, a software on there. Yeah. 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 That tracks their activity. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Now, like a covenant eyes or a net nanny or right. Yeah. Now the simple solution to that is I just get another device. Right. And that is what they do. Right. I mean, it's a simple solution. However, I, I have, when I, when I have worked with clients, they, um, especially when, they're on the computer and they know, you know, they've been tempted, but knowing that they're going to look at something and then it's going to go to their PO, help them use replacement thoughts. They're like, well, I mean, that would be, be cool to look something up that I probably shouldn't. Um, but at the same time, you know, if I do, there's going to be a report. My therapist might get a report. My PO might get a report, so on and so forth. Yeah, I better not do it. So I think, on that end, it kind of helped in their favor. And also, um, that's another thing is even ones who are searching innocuous terms, you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> I did a a group one time that I just searched the word depression and sure enough, like three rows down, there's some girls, you know, jugs just sitting there. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, what does that have to do with depression? You right, know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and what terms could you search that then, Turned into who's knows what, and that's helped them in the past. So I'm going to say it's all, you know, like useless, but um, yeah, I don't think long-term that's a really good solution to some of these things. So I, I question some of these when they come up and, okay. and I wanted to like kind of look through some of these. Awesome. So, so this was a, uh, this was in the New York post among others. I love the New York post. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's uh, I'll, I'll share this with the, the, YouTube viewers. I was like paying attention to over here. It's total clickbait on the right hand side. Like just, just wait. Pamela Anderson's getting divorced for the fifth time. Yeah. Poor, I mean, she deserves happiness. I know dude. Look at, Oh, there's a movie coming out about her and Tommy Lena looks way good. A movie. They, they made one of those already. Not that kind of movie. Uh, it's about that though. 
So it's it's about the people who found that. Yeah. Dude, it's a crazy story. Did you did you know how that I mean how that all happened? No. Appar- so apparently like there was I guess they were moving or something like that and then there was a uh he Tommy Lee had specifically said, "Hey, don't like th- this this is really important." It was in a safe too. And you know and somehow it got misplaced. And these guys were just going through their stuff. And, oh, it was all this. And then they just found a video. Wow. Yeah. And dude, and then before you knew it, you know, off to the races. Whoa. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I've, you know, and to this day, I've I've only seen like what has been on like news things, you know, just like small clips or anything like that. You respect your privacy? No, that wasn't the reason why. I mean, I was curious, of course, because when all that was happening, I think I was like a young man, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think, uh, I think one of my friends who did download it, like ruined his computer. Cause there was 4 million viruses <laughs> attached to it. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, I was an idiot. So I was like, all I have is my dad's computer. I don't even know if there was private browsing back then. So I was like, well, I'm not doing that. I'll get yeah. in trouble. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then by, it. then by the time I was like, Oh, you know, I just time had passed. I wasn't yeah. really interested anymore. Right. Right. So yeah, never mind. For those of you listening, this will be really easy. Otherwise there's some, maybe I love Kelly Rizzo reveals Bob Saget's last text messages before, for his death. See that. And then it tells you how many people clicked on it. Oh, it literally. Yeah. Clickbait. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, an article written by Josh Miller, and it says, Georgia sheriff violated sex offenders' rights with Halloween warning signs. So to preface, and there's a picture here, it says, stop, warning, stop, no trick-or-treat at this address. I love how he used word art, too. (laughs) He did that fade at this address. Double exclamation point. That's right. There's some thought that went into that, isn't there? Oh, yeah. That that took some time. You did. I mean, that took some yeah, formatting, too, because that's clearly in tables because of how symmetrical it is, you know, and even took even took the time to put the dashes between trick or treat. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's just ironic or what. A community safety message from Butts County Sheriff Gary Le- Butts B U T T S. Yeah, yeah that, is that a joke? It, it, I I can't tell yet. Is this the Onion? He said New York Post, right? Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is legit. Babylon B. Yeah, I checked this out on a few ones, but I mean, so for those listening, we do have we do have um some restrictions that are our guys even here in Utah that but not like this like uh I mean it's pretty standard to as far as a sign yeah. no 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 I mean they're not required I don't think that our our clients are so if you have a, a sexual offense and um your house is obviously registered I'm pretty sure it's and I don't know if it's a written rule or if it's one of those like hey do this, but I, I don't think they're allowed to decorate their houses. Right. Um, and they certainly can't pass candy out. You can't know. answer the door. Can't answer the door. And I think that um, the one thing that we do, and this is uh, legitimate, and you and I have heard plenty of horror stories on this, is that tasks for task force from the, like they'll put a task force together in oh, the yeah. local like police departments for that municipality and say, go out and, you know, look at these places and see how they're doing or whatever. Not really the agents who are supervising them. It seems really like the, the agents supervising them kind of get the idea. They'll check up on more of the high risk guys, but for the most part, they just say, stay home. Don't mess around with stuff. Yeah. When the other officers that maybe haven't been trained on like how to, how to work with sex offense dudes, they, they go in guns blazing sometimes. Yeah. 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 Kind of, kind of weird um so this says 
So the article says a Georgia sheriff violated the constitutional rights of sex offenders by placing signs in their yards warning trick-or-treaters uh, to stay away on Halloween, a federal appeals court ruled. Butts County <laughs> that's got to that's it's so got to be fake. Man, <laughs> how is that possible? Yeah. Butts County Sheriff Gary or we're just <laughs> Or just deviant. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just immature. Yeah. You see how that says B-U-T-T? There's two T's. Butts County Sheriff Gary Long instructed deputies ahead of Halloween uh, in 2018 to put large signs in front of yards. All 57 registered sex offenders in the county telling youngsters to stop and not to trick or treat at the ad- ad- addresses. Three registered sex offenders in the county filed federal lawsuits claiming the signs violated their First Amendment rights. A judge initially blocked Long from posting the signs, but denied a permanent injunction and granted summary judgment in favor of Long. A three-judge panel on the U.S. Court of Appeals of the 11th Circuit uh, reversed Judge Mark Treadwell's decision in an opinion issued Wednesday, ruling the oversized signs are compelled government speech and violate a homeowner's first amendment rights. Look at that. Compelled government speech. Compelled government speech. Oh, like in other words like the the homeowner is being like forced to send out a message about themselves. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, compelled like I I'm I'm compelling you to say something that you may not want to say. Right. Yeah. So free speech isn't, isn't just that I can choose to say a lot of things, even if it's hurtful. It's also that you can't make me say something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wonder like, you know, if you're looking at this, you know what, obviously you're, you're trying to get, you know, trick or treaters not to go to these houses, of course. Right. But, so a couple questions come up, like who the hell trick or treats anymore? I mean, my neighborhood's pretty cool about it. I can go trick or treating every year, you know. And there's all kinds of trick or treaters, but I, I don't know what Butts County looks like. I don't know if there's, you know, like I, mean, I wonder how many people are actually trick or treating because it's just not. It's kind it's of not what it used to be, right? Yeah, it's kind of a bygone tradition at this point, you know. Well, I mean, maybe even like another question is how many sex offenses have happened as a result of trick or treating. Like we know of one for sure. It just happened this year. Yeah. Homeboy answered the door with no pants on. Right. Man, like the worst, most boneheaded decision on planet earth. You know, I, I would love to talk to that guy. Like what were you thinking? I know. What did you, what did you think would happen? I mean, I'm, I hope, I hope that he was intoxicated, you know, cause that is just so on candy. <laughs> <laughs> just have a sugar high. Well, <laughs> you tell that to the judge. Yeah. Okay. So smashed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two minute Kit Kats. Your honor. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He says, he, yeah. The judge says not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. Cause that story is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, <laughs> That'd be cool if that's how the legal system works. Yeah, it does in my mind. That's how I choose to think of it. Yeah, but I mean, yet yeah, when I'm thinking about this, I mean, I get, yeah, the if the kid's not going up to the house and trick or treating, right? Then then you're kind of removing an element of risk from the equation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but a couple questions come to mind, like. Is that necessary if the client works graveyard shifts down at the factory or something? Right. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a blanket 
external control right. that uh, fails to take into account. I mean, I guess a, a lot of factors, one of which could be just shift work. Well, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that you, you can look, it's public information. So if I wanted to look up sex offenders in my neighborhood, anybody can do that. Right. But I think it's illegal if you make it like public notice, like if you take, so let's say you and I lived in the same neighborhood and I looked your information up and, you know, I saw that you were a sex offender and then I took it upon myself to print out your charges along with your picture and then went around to the neighborhood and passed that out to them and said, watch out for this guy. That's illegal. You can't Is do it? that. Yeah. Oh yeah. They I mean, and maybe the difference is that you as a private citizen can't do that. But cause like in Louisiana, I, if, unless I'm remembering this wrong, uh, a client of mine that temporarily uh, tried to do an interstate compact in Louisiana told me that one of the requirements was that he had to purchase kind of postcard type things for everybody within some geographical circumference, a half mile or something, and, mm-hmm. and had to essentially blank, like, like blanket mail, uh, everybody in his neighborhood that he was a sex offender and that was like from a, from on high, you know, I've heard that before. And I've heard that like when you were, is that an actual thing though? I don't know. I mean, I've only heard people tell me that and I've heard of the like legends, you know, like mm-hmm. in, yeah. in Florida, you have to do this or that. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know for sure. I've never had that actually confirmed. I mean, I think it's a fun, you know, m- potential urban myth to talk about, but whether it seems like you're almost, I would have to, and maybe this is just Utah, but I would think it, it would violate some of those rights. Cause like here in Utah. So if you wanted to like, we can give it an easy example here. So if I wanted to look this up and this is just in Utah, so perhaps this doesn't apply everywhere. I mean, you know, I would assume something similar to this and you have to agree to these terms and conditions. So whoever you are, you know, if you're looking this up, you have to do this. And if you look at the fourth bullet point down, you know, it says pursuant to Utah code, blah, 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 blah. Members of the public are not allowed to use their information to harass or threaten offenders or members of their families and harassment, stalking, or threats against offenders of their families are prohibited and and doing so may violate Utah criminal laws. Okay. Okay. Now, I mean, I mean, harass, I mean, that, that would be harassment. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is I don't, I don't know if that means that because it says members of the public, does that mean like law enforcement can harass them? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Seems. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it doesn't say yeah, it's just for us civilians. I would, I would assume that they couldn't, but so I realize you're, you're, you're taking away an element of risk, but kind of like how you said before, I mean, what's the implication there? So let's say, <laughs> what if, uh, what if somebody's, uh, I mean, I had the other day, these kids just come up to my door and they were selling like some nonsense from their pantry, like used flour or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, oh, yeah. good. Entrepreneurs, even though there's a sign right on my door that says no soliciting. Yeah. But um, yeah, I gave him two bucks and said, be on your way, Rugrats. Well, um, did you take the flour? <laughs> I'm sure I did. Yeah. Threw it away or something. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah. The used flour. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember what it was. It's yeah. like, yeah, wet crackers. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Thanks, so, kids. So, yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and but or uh, the local high school here, they came by and knocked on my door and they were getting donations for um, suicide prevention stuff or something like that. And I gave them some money or whatever. Okay. So what then? I mean, is Halloween, you know, Halloween, I get is a, a time of year when you're going to get a, a higher, you know, um, frequency of people coming to your door. But what about on the off chances that somebody just knocks on your door and they're a kid coming your, through your neighborhood? You know, like what's, you can't do that forever, obviously. Well, one of the common rules is that they, the, the offenders can't go to a place where children are known to congregate. And so that are they kind of looking at it in the inverse in that like during Halloween, a person's house is a place where children congregate. I suppose. I, I mean, I guess, but, um, but, but now you're putting the onus on uh, the potential victim to avoid, you know, to, to manage the risk in the situation. I guess that's what that sign is. Right. But, and then unnecessarily drawing attention to this guy who may or may not have any intentions. And, right. and, and plus the inference there is that if I open the door and I see, you know, a kid like, what happens then? I did turn into the sex offender zombie, like, yeah, kid. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what you know, I would hope I, I never try to get my clients, um, whether it's substance use or sex offense or anything for that matter, to deliberately put themselves in risky situations so they can test the skills that we're working on in treatment. I just take it for granted that they're going to have to deal with that at one point or another, you know, like that's what we always tell them. It, don't worry about risk, like it will find you, you know, there's no way to avoid it. So you need to be prepared for it. But I mean, simply kind of doing those things, it, it almost, um, I don't know if your house wasn't decorated and you shut the lights off. Isn't that enough? That should be. Yeah. I never go to any houses. Well, why should, cause I mean, why would you say people should give a shit? Cause it, most people are going to say like be- better safe than sorry, even if it isn't the most effective or maybe slightly misguided intent. Like why not? Well, I'll bet we could find research and, and stats on how many sexual offenses happen on Halloween. And I'll bet if we dug deeper, we could figure out some information as to how many of those offenses happened as a result of trick or treaters knocking on the door and then a person pulling those kids in and, you know, doing whatever they're going to do with them. You know what I mean? Like, let's say it's, we know for sure that it's happened once. Yeah, for sure. Like people might say it's worth it if it prevents one. I'm not as convinced that it's not, but I, I, I know that a lot of these dudes, like overall big picture, um, social integration and, you know, feeling a part of the community is uh, one factor of many that serve as a protective factor against recidivism. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Like when we're in general criminal recidivism too, like when we're thinking about I mean, we've seen risk assessment instruments that you and I score these guys on. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, uh, am I generally well accepted by my peers, right? And um, within that peer group, do I have, you know, pro- meaningful and mutually reciprocal pro-social connections with these people, right? you know, and not maintaining a, a criminal, you know, friend friend base or whatever, Um <clears throat> And also, like, one of the ones was, 
you know, what's the, the neighborhood environment in which you live and do you have close ties to your neighborhood? Right. Now, those are all are all protective factors. And for those of you who maybe not known about this, a risk factor is anything that increases the likelihood of a crime happening again. Okay. So in this case, um, having no friends and wanting those friends and living in social isolation or um, not being, have close ties to your neighborhood or living in a crime ridden neighborhood where there's a lot of like drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, you know, crime, all, all, all of those increase the likelihood that a person's going to commit a future crime, sexual offense and or otherwise, right? So the other, the inverse is, is also true. If, you know, I'm have mainly pro-social connections, close ties to my neighborhood. It's a, a neighborhood relatively crime-free. I mean, I don't think there's any such thing as a neighborhood completely crime-free. And um, those are all, those, those reduce the likelihood. But the other thing is kind of protective factors are cool too, because it makes the, the client is very motivated to maintain those things. Yeah. It's not just like avoid doing these things. It's maybe work towards enhancing these things over here, these protective factors. Right. Yeah. And if you remember from our, um, our last podcast, we were talking about like, this has nothing to do with new year's resolutions, but I think that you would find this in many of like studies that would, would say, you know, on, on terms of like follow through simply trying to avoid a bad thing is increasingly more difficult than getting to and maintaining a good thing. There's, there's much more payoff for the latter than just avoiding a bad thing. So if you're just doing risk management all the time, really for our clients, they're just breaking even they're just avoiding risk and, and nobody like who's leading a, re- a, a normal crime-free, you know, quote unquote, successful lifestyle does that. I mean, when you left today, were you like stepping out your door and you're like, man, how do I not commit a crime today? What do I need? Like that no. probably was, no, no. What were you focused on today? I thought about, <laughs> sound classic, I guess I'm like meatheads again, but uh, Crush get, it. Get, yeah. <laughs> getting to the gym, getting to work out in time so that I could have enough time to drive to the to my, I had a dentist appointment today. Enough time so I can get How there. How many cavities do you have, bro? Zero. Never uh, had one. Me either. Really? Two. Nice, bro. Cavity bros. That's right. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I never even brush them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. 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 So, so in other words, I mean, you could go on and on. You had a lot of stuff to do today. And you had a lot of obligations, mm-hmm. you know, to which you were already, you know, mindset that you were going to follow through with those. So committing crimes wasn't even on your radar. I mean, you didn't have to manage risk because your life was in su- moving in such a trajectory that it was it didn't even come close to risk. Right. You know what I mean? So now, look, that's mm-hmm. I think the long term effects of this is that's where we want our clients to be. And the more you the more steps you take to I don't <laughs> like socially distance them, I think you're increasing the likelihood that there's going to be a few, not, not deliberately. I'm not saying this, this sheriff is going to cause future offenses, but I'm saying think twice sometimes about if there's an offender in your neighborhood and how you're going to treat them. I mean, in reality, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to go beat them up. Obviously you can't, you're going to commit a crime against them or you're going to watch them so frequently that, that, you know, you're going to ruin your life in the matter. Like, I mean, sometimes just leaving them alone, letting them, you know, go back to business. And that's what we right. want them to be. If they're, I mean, yeah, if they're locked away forever and, and they have a life sentence, okay, nobody has to worry about that. But that's not the reality in which we yeah, live. Right. They're coming into the community. Yes. Right? What's that statistic? It's like 
99% of offenders are going to come back to the community. So that seems right. the, the reality is you, we have to get used to that. And I mean, you can stress yourself out as much as you want to about it. And, but you have to ask yourself, are the steps that I'm taking going to help this person not reoffend, or is it moving it more likely to that? Or am I just neutral on the whole subject? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you got to be their friends. I'm not saying you got to bake cookies and bring them over there. I'm saying, you know, maybe uh, just not intentionally isolate them right. further. And I mean, that's, I'm not, that's like a big red beacon to put a sign like that. Right. Cause especially with that word art, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, seriously. I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not trying to say that I'm not an idiot. Like I don't, I don't think that, I'm not trying to say that people have a hard time with this and you and I, this is our profession and clearly we think about it differently, you know? And so the way we talk about it is just not, doesn't jive with people very well. Right. But uh, so I'm not, I'm saying that if I, you know, most of the guys that we work with really appreciate that we just treat them like humans and we just treat them nice, you know, and that's one of, and that we, we are nice to them in general. doesn't mean we're their buddies. We're not inviting them over for barbecues or anything, but so that's, I mean, anything that I can further distance that I have to question is what, whether or not that's, that's going to be kind of a problem. So, um, let's see. I wanted to see one more thing on this because I thought this was, so it says after the warning signs were first put up, Long, uh, long posted a message on Facebook. Oh, great. Saying the signs were only put in the yards of registered sex offenders. <laughs> Even better. While saying the safety of the county's children was his top priority, which I bet it was. He also said Georgia law prohibits registered sex offenders from partaking in Halloween, which the appeals court noted was inaccurate. Hmm. Partaking in. What do you. I don't. Wait, what was inaccurate? It was inaccurate that they weren't allowed to partake in Halloween. Yeah, the sheriff. So they were partaking in Halloween. No, no, no. He said that Georgia law prohibits registered sex oh, offenders oh. from partaking in Halloween, and the gotcha. appeals court said that was inaccurate. Okay. I wonder how many does Facebook have followers or what? What is it? Friends. 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 I wonder how many friends he has on. It's not him. It's probably like from the. The Butts County Sheriff <laughs> Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Probably 10 people on there. Yeah, yeah. No, you get you get him, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ruling also noted that Long acknowledged he's had no issues with uh, registered sex offenders in his county, including unauthorized contact with minors since becoming sheriff in 2013. Hmm. Well, yeah, that even speaks to the idea that why would you need to do this? I'm not seeing the need if, well, again, if, I mean, I don't know what to say about whether or not they're allowed to partake in Halloween or not. I mean, I, I believe, I believe that even if it's not the law, I mean, again, whether or not Utah allows, like if it's written that our guys can't partake in Halloween, APMP certainly enforces that the same way they do that thousand foot rule. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, it probably looks good for the people that would vote him in, you know, yeah, like, like, cause it on the surface, it does have like, I'm doing something about this problem. I'm protecting the children. It has that feeling again, like even though you and I have done our best to lay down an argument as to maybe a different way to look at it, I guarantee you people listening to this are still like, yeah, no, but I don't care. It, I, I, I don't want it to even happen once it's hard for people to hear the stuff we're saying. Right. And this, yeah. Especially when you look at that font, that's pretty convincing font, bro. 
It's like he had me at the two tone. This is, this is, uh, so what this always brings me back to is kind of that cognitive empathy versus emotional empathy. Like this is an emotional empathy play here. Right. I mean, I'm doing this because I, you know, because think about it when, when voters of sheriff, you know, um, cause I think all sheriffs are elected officials, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. When you have a, when you you have, when you have uh, an elected official and he's appealing to voters, you know, and newsflash folks, you know, uh, politicians, you know, I, I get, they're trying to stop crime, but their number one politicians, number one job is to get votes, right? That's because that's their lifeblood without those votes. They don't have a job any longer. So that's their number one job. And sometimes they have good policy as a result of those, right? Okay. Excellent. Most I assume do good, try to do good. Okay. I don't think he was ill-intentioned here, right? but most people who would be looking at that and you'd say, oh, even one time, who are they thinking about? They're thinking about their own kids, yeah, right? And I, w- I would say if you looked at, and again, this is one of those things, I don't know if you could ever research this, you know, as far as what are the, the shaming factors that go into, uh, you know, sex offenders and how does that contribute to future likelihood of reoffense. In other words, like these were things that were done to them as a result of their status. Granted, I mean, they made that choice. They're dealing with the consequences, but then it was added onto them from an outside entity, a sheriff or the public or whomever. And then that made it more difficult for them to socially integrate. It made it more difficult for them to be a, you know, prospering member of society. And as a result of that, you know, they just discontinued using the strategies and then they reoffended. And I'm saying, well, okay, I don't know, you know, where the statistics are on that. I don't know if you could ever measure that, but theoretically that starts to move in that direction. You know what I mean? And then, so on a cognitive empathy level, I'm saying, well, so I need to, I need to consider how this is going to impact not the general public, but how is this going to impact the guys that I'm putting this on their house and, and really the long-term effects that that's going to have on them from doing something in the future. Not that I caused it. Of course they get to make that decision, but Dude. am I increasing the likelihood? Am I inadvertently making it more likely? Even if such a study, that'd, that'd be a pretty sophisticated study to pull off and have it be accurate. And even if you were able to pull it off, if the dude that runs against Sheriff Long cited this sophisticated study and talked about preventative factors and referenced this amazing guerrilla social work podcast to his to you know to his uh, constituents, uh, his ass isn't getting voted in. Yeah, yeah, the public's going to listen to to Long. It's just because that's kind of how we're we as humans are are wired. Yeah, it, it was it was um, that was I can't who's that. I never remember his name, but that guy who talked about um, empathy being kind of a bad thing, he's from Yale and he was, he gave the uh, Willie Horton example and it was, that was like, what was that again? So um, Mike Dukakis put a, um, back when he was, (laughs) that was before our time, I think, or mid mid eighties. Yeah. We were little tykes. Yeah. Back when you just like voted for whoever had the best hair. Yeah. <laughs> I remember they used to have that in school. They were like, they'd best hair. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> they had that. Yeah. But they, did you ever, when you were in elementary school, did they ever have you vote for the president? Like they held like a oh, yeah. straw poll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then I remember one year I was so pissed off that Ross Perot didn't win. And I have no, I had no clue why I even voted <laughs> he, for But him. you were mad about it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, he's rich. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, he's just going to yeah. give us that money. I had no concept of it too. I was like, he's got millions of dollars. <laughs> Who cares? Like I voted for Ronald Reagan because it was like a ray gun, like a laser. Like yeah. A ray gun. Yeah. 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 Like, dumbest reasons yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah. The TUC. I, my yeah. students vote. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, so he um had some legislation that basically had so light. I think Willie Horton was a, a light. He was convicted for life, right? So he was not getting out. He didn't have any possibility of parole. However, um, there was a program that was put into place, and and he was a violent offender, and um the program was put into place that if, you know, they had demonstrated good behavior for a period of time that they could be granted furloughs to go into the community and be with their family, Mm. but to return back to prison. And then when he left, hopefully I'm not butchering this. When Willie Horton left, he murdered, I think uh, a gal and maybe her husband, maybe their whole family. I can't murdered somebody, somebody or some buddies at that point. And then they, um, and that was the end of his campaign because his, oh, so wow. gotcha. uh, who was running against him? Dukakis? Yeah. Uh, George HW? The other guy. Sure. Yeah. Had said, look at this. Look, this is a direct result of his policies. Right. And this is what happened. Now that was an appeal for emotional empathy because we wanted that. That could have been our family. That could have been us. Cause these were strangers that That's, homeboy killed. Right. Makes so, sense. But I mean, the actually what his, um, when they look back at this and they looked at like what that policy did was that it, it improved overall conditions inside of the prison. And in terms of like violent assaults inside of the prison officers, those went down behavior was better overall because they were being granted this, like all these things were, were, it improved a lot of the things. And then you had one one example, example. right? And it was, I mean, it's tragic, but I mean, that's, that's kind of how, you know, some of those things work. You can't control for every single factor and net effect is probably a decent policy. And, one thing I've learned from working in corrections is I know you can say, Oh no, they need to, they get cable in there. They get TVs. They get video games. They have a tablet. Are you, they could listen to podcasts. I'm like, okay, chill. I was like, because Uh you you know what happens when, when I, I, I know it's fun to think they're just, in Azkaban prison, like on Harry Potter, you know, and they just live in squalor. But those people, when they have no control over anything, become violent and, and the people who have to work with them and as people, right. And, and the thing is, is they also like, it's, you know, okay. So you want this to be completely horrible to a degree where a person kills himself. And then when somebody kills himself inside an institution, it's an outrage, you know, how could this happen? And it's like, well, so which is it? Do you, I mean, do you want me to treat him like a prisoner of Azkaban or do you want to give him some comforts to the degree that, you know, life is, is, you know, worth getting by on? And and that was kind of a thing that um, a lieutenant, when I was going through the academy, was telling me and he said that um, they come to prison for as punishment, not for punishment. Right. Yep. I was like, oh, that's ex- excellent way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it's bad enough here, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they get to play N64? Okay. I don't know if I care too much. Like right. if correctional officers 
it gives, it gives them some, it gives the correctional officers some leverage. Right. And correctional officers that I'm friends with don't have to deal with getting, you know, shit bombs thrown at them. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. So mm-hmm. might be singing a different tune if you're part of their family or something. So, right. okay. <laughs> Here we Dude, go. This one, this one is bonkers, by the way. I don't even know what to say to this. So, this is from The Independent. It says, Ivory Coast, the headline is, Ivory Coast TV presenter fined for glorifying rape after asking sex offender to recreate attack on mannequin. Oh my God, dude. I mean, it's like. What? It's like, no way did that happen. Like on TV. Right. The television host introduced the man as convicted sex offender. Then he beckoned his guest. <laughs> beckoned. <laughs> he beckoned his guest. To a mannequin, can you show us how you committed rape? Holy cow. What came next outraged viewers in the Ivory Coast who roundly blasted the segment on primetime show this week and urged the West African country's broadcasting watchdog to punish the production team. So this is in West Africa. By Thursday, a petition demanding the ouster of Eve de Mabella? Sounds good. Eve de Mabella a popular commentator in the nation of 27 million and sanctions against his employer, Novel Shane Avoyen. Yeah, there you go. Had amassed nearly 50,000 signatures. Protesters surrounded the channel's office in the commercial capital, uh, Abidjan. (laughs) Man, we're horrible. Holding signs that read, don't trivialize rape. Telecom authorities suspended Dimabellum. Uh, from airwaves for 30 days, a court fined the host and ordered him not to leave Abidjan. Abida, Ab, say that for me. Abidjan. Abidjan. Oh, yeah, I was saying it right. For a year under suspected prison sentence. Gee, Willikers. So, I mean, you you realize that what was happening though? Well, like, what? Well, what? plus, like, you can't. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this. You can't just like wing it. You know what I mean? When you're doing a show like that, like, do you remember, do you remember when, when, uh, when I interviewed, um, with that gal on, on ABC? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't preparation. there. It wasn't scripted. I knew what was going to happen. Like, you know, and she had to get approval for all that too, you know, before it's not like you can just like, you just tell the production manager, oh, yeah. Don't worry, I got it. You know, I mean, somebody had to sign off on that mm. that they were going to do that, right? And I mean, what I don't know. And obviously, we'll read. Hopefully, w- they give us some context. But can you imagine what the news broadcast was trying to? So was it a news? So it was a news show. I'm, I'm trying to figure. Was it like a Howard Stern type of show? Yeah, I guess context would be important, yeah. right? But even if it was, still terrible. But I'm right. just saying, like, what are, are we talking, like? Like the equivalent of Tucker or Don Lemon type of show, or are we talking like a Howard Stern type of show? I don't know. I mean, it's popular, so who knows? I mean, it could have been, it could have been, yeah, or or Jerry At Springer, least, or Dr. Yeah, like Phil, a Jerry, yeah, 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 something like that, like you a know? Jerry Springer. But they didn't know it even close to that sensational, do they? Hell no, no, not even close. Rape this mannequin, like. And, uh, <laughs> I wonder if the guy went along. I mean, we'll obviously find out, but I'm like, so did you, did you go along? Like, did you actually rape that mannequin? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and can you rape a mannequin? 
obviously not. Well, <laughs> yeah. mannequins have rights too, Jeff. Okay, I mean, okay. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, uh, you wouldn't you just say, "Wait, what?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Or what? just um, no. <laughs> so was there? So was there a conversation? A like the production team had to sign off on that. Oh yeah, was it sprung on them? Was it sprung on the dude? I hope he, not. Did he, did he, did that he, would be a dirty move. And I mean, I, I would. I don't put that past journalists, you know, to pull some stuff like that. But okay, I'm saying if there's anything yeah. like me, with me, at least I got some preparation. Can you imagine that conversation? You're like it could have been to try to shame him. Maybe like we're gonna make this guy look really bad. We're gonna we're gonna have him. <laughs> confront the horror of what he did by embarrassing him on national TV, by having him act out this grotesque act. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine that? I'm like, Hey Jeff. Okay. So, uh, thanks for coming on today. Um, so before we turn the cameras on, they're heating up and everything, we'll get you mic'd up and everything. So what I was thinking was we can talk a little bit about your offense. Um, and then I got this mannequin over here and what I want to do, and I want to make sure you're cool with this. I just wanted to, uh, so I'm, you know what? I'm going to have you reenact what you did in the rape. Um, and if you could, I don't know why you're laughing, but I, uh, you know, um, if you could, Oh, I, you're serious. Okay, okay. Yeah. I want you to make it as just as graphic as possible. Are you, are you mean you, like actually like physically rape the mannequin? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and it's a, it's a tough mannequin. So with, I, yeah, I got it straight from Mongolia. So oh, those Mongolian, yeah, mannequins. you've heard of Mongolia. Yeah, mannequins. Those man- Mongolian mannequins. Okay. You, you got the idea. So it can yeah. take a beating and keep on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm <laughs> Yeah, You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Nothing comes after that. So I'm just like, who, how did that whole process get set up? And why wouldn't the guy just walk out at that point? You know what I mean? I want answers to all these. Let, let's see what, okay, yeah, 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 let's, yeah, let's see what's going on here. Uh, the episode reflected a broader problem, activists said, as in the United States, uh, sexual assault is rarely prosecuted in the Ivory Coast. So they're saying, as in the United States, sexual assault is rarely prosecuted. Hmm. Data on the crime is is scarce, and few perpetrators are th- are thought to land behind bars. Okay, so it's underreported. In other words, yes, true. Victims, meanwhile, often face shame, financial burden, when they come forward, they must pay the medical test to collect DNA. Here, go away, dummy. Um, collect DNA evidence, which costs about $90 in a nation where a quarter of the people live. The victims live on, have to pay that. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, wow. A quarter of the people live on less than $2 a day. Holy cow. Wow. This is rape culture, and it is atrocious, says Benedict Joan, president of Stop Our Chat Noir and Ivorian group fighting to end sexual assault. The name of her organization translates to Stop the Black Cat, weird, is a reference to a grim term that girls in oh, Ivory wow. Coast hear as they grow up. Black Cat is code for men who break into women's bedrooms, she said, and and people say it like a punchline. The lurid television bit this week was an extension of the attitude, she said. The people laughing in the studio. Oh, no. Oh, no. The people who wrote the segment, the people who approved it, they're all part of it, Jones said. This was an isolated thing with one host. Laughing. Laughing about that. In the 30, this is in August. 
Oh my and, God, I'm reading ahead. I know. Holy shit. Dimabe- led his guest, to, uh, so Dimabella led his guest, who he described as a former rapist, to a mannequin under bright stage lights. The man had served two years in prison. Come with me, the host said. The camera will follow you. Dimabella proceeded to move the dummy into different positions. Holy cow. He invited the offender to demonstrate a series of attacks. He asked if victims had ever enjoyed the violence. He referred. Whoa. He referred to assault as making love. He inquired, how can women avoid rape? Advocates were quick to respond on social media. Women avoid rape when assailants choose not to commit it. Amen. All the while, the audience chuckled. Wow. What What is going on? The clip blazed across Twitter as Avorians uh, shared their disgust. It's not a damn game. Someone posted, we were talking about lives destroyed. Dima Bella apologized in a statement saying he was sincerely sorry to have shocked everyone while trying to raise awareness. Awareness to what? That's just, yeah, sensationalism and shock. He was promptly dropped from hosting the Miss Ivory Coast beauty pageant on Saturday, hopefully. NCI said it regretted the sequence and would not air it again. Ivory Coast Audiovisual Authority issued a two-page statement condemning it. Punishing one man isn't enough to overhaul the thinking that allowed that segment to air, said Desiree Danio, secretary of the Ivorian League of Women's Rights. Um, a coalition of activists are calling for the national focus on sex education, including television specials of focus on healthy intimacy and consent. So yeah, again, I'm kind of like, I'm just, raise awareness to what though? What are you raising awareness to? That's, that's covering his tracks. You know, uh, we just did a podcast on like ways to raise awareness. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that. Yeah, that that's that's him covering his tracks. What's he raising awareness of? He was he was trying to get views and it worked. Yeah. But what an ass that. Yeah. That's gross, man. Like well, I've got a pretty jacked up sense of humor, but boy. Well, yeah, that doesn't seem like funny. You know no, what I mean? Like no. what, what the, would, the audience apparently thought it was. Yeah. But wh- why? Like what would be? I mean, I mean, I get the the idea the shock of it. Maybe. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But like you. You you have a mannequin there, and you're like, I mean, and what really happened? You know, when when all this was going down, how was he explaining? I mean, I'd like to see it, yeah, and see for myself what was going on. But it's pretty crazy to think that people were laughing about it. You know what I mean? Maybe it was nervous laughter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it's it it is a bit re- so like if you remove again audience perspective, if you remove the fact that they're talking about rape and you just see some dude being directed to act out sexual scenes on a strategically posed mannequin, again, removing the concept of rape from the equation. It's, it's ridiculous on its face. That might've gotten last, but it's like, it becomes gross all of a sudden when you add the context to it. Well, right. And, and um, when we raise awareness, so uh, now if done correctly, I don't think this could have been like, completely useless because I think, um, there is some, I don't know, educational purposes or, um, or good information that can come out of talking to somebody about, you know, like their offense and maybe their motivations behind this. Now, like we've done with villains to victory. Right. And the funny part about that is though, is I think, some people are steered in the wrong direction. Most people think that you need to get into the nitty gritty, 
like details of the offense, which is absolutely unnecessary. Which is what happened there. Right. I mean, they were asking for, and, and I mean, so for people listening, why, why, you know, cause that's a thing of the past. We used to, back in the day, we used to, and when I say we, I'm talking about people who work with sex, you know, sex offenses. And, um, we used to do what were called introduction groups. And it usually happened when a new member came into the group and everybody introduced themselves and immediately after introducing themselves, they had to describe their offense and in, I mean, relatively graphic detail, right? Right. And use certain words. And, um, so, so why don't we do that anymore for people uh, listening? It's weird timing. I just talked about this in the staff meeting. This oh, week. good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess several reasons. One is that it doesn't <clears throat> impact recidivism rates. You know, uh, that the idea is to build accountability. That's the idea of why they do those groups is like get the person to own their offense and take responsibility for it and maybe get some feedback from group members that might be a little more sophisticated in the treatment process to help boost the offenders insight as they talk about their crime. And right. so the, the idea is like, okay, if we can boost accountability, they're going to take responsibility for what they did. And in theory, they won't do it again because they'll have owned it and worked on it. And, and then the reality is that research shows that that's just not really effective. It doesn't, doesn't do what, we like to think it does. And if anything, it maybe enhances shame and potentially makes the person feel worse about themselves, which makes them care less about themselves, which makes them care less about others, which increases their risk to reoffend. Right. I mean, I know the, 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 the dialogue is always been, been that, you know, you can't fix what's not broken. I mean, I don't think they don't acknowledge that they're, they don't have, you know, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that <clears throat> client knows that they're, thinking process might need some tweaking at that point. Right. But I don't know why I've always struggled with this is why the connection between, well, if I own it, whatever that means, you know, and I take full accountability that somehow that's, that fixes it. You know what I mean? Now I can start working on it when I've never really, well, maybe it's like this, like, you know, if we go back to the new year's resolution stuff, you know, if I, again, I get out of the shower, see my fat ass jiggling. I think, God, man, I have, Really, COVID, COVID shut down. I've, I've wrecked myself. I have cho- made bad health choices. I have mm-hmm. stopped going to the gym. I have done these things. I let myself get fat. I need to get after it. I, I think they're coming from that angle. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, and it's not as if when we talk to, we don't talk, it's not like we don't talk to them about their offense. We do. We do talk to them mm-hmm. about it. But more so, I'm, I'm always much more curious and interested in the thinking process and the context that led up to that yeah. and looking for intervention points that, you know, some of the skills we're teaching them could have been used. And then also I realize what's the likelihood that the events of that particular offense are going to play out exactly the same way that it's going to happen again in the right. future. Probably slim to none. Right. You know what I mean? But the thinking patterns that could play out. Right. Yeah. Right. So context environmentally mm-hmm. um, and, you know, who the potential victim is. Those I think will change no matter what, but the thinking process that got them there and, and potentially the complacency right. that got them to a, a state of mind where they were capable of kind of justifying this, those are really what I'm interested in. And I think if a, if a client is talking about that, that's helpful. I think that's helpful for other clients to hear that. I think it's helpful for them to like see that perhaps 
you know, because we see consistencies in what a lot of our clients say, boredom, social isolation, risk factors that we've already talked about. I think it's useful for them to hear, here's what was happening in my life and here's things that I need to continue to pay attention to, to avoid that from happening again. I mean, showing the different positions as far as a rape goes. That has no value. Yeah, that doesn't do that. How's that going to prevent anything in the future? I mean, it's it's like the when we do disclosures during group, we like back when we did, we would discourage that piece of it, of like talking about the actual sexual acts. Cause it, would, it would read, it would sound like a hyper-deviant penthouse forums type letter and it's just skin crawling shit. And right. that's irrelevant to what we're trying to, what we even were trying to accomplish back in the day. And so like this is, this is that souped up to a gross sensationalized. And I think the dudes, I think the guy's backpedaling yeah. when he says we're trying to raise awareness and help women not get raped. Okay. So by, by showing them what positions a rape victim or a rape perpetrator made the victim do, that's going to help them avoid getting raped. Like right. how, how talk me through that. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> like, yeah. That, well, I mean, what, yeah, what, What's a what's a potential victim going to do and watch that? And I mean, dude, that's not going to help whatsoever. Right. And, and I don't disagree with that the assailants, you know, that we need to be able to stop them. So on the same token, like, yeah, I agree with that. That's exactly what I do. Unfortunately, my guys have already done stuff, you know, but if if you had a would be, you know, um, future sex offender watching this, you'd have maybe considered this fantasized about it, you know, maybe watch some pornography that was depicting rape and, you know, reinforcing that through masturbation. And now he's watching this. How is that going to help him either? How is that going to help him? Like, man, maybe I probably shouldn't do this or, you know, think through a process of, of why, you know, this isn't in his best interests, you know, and obviously not in the victim's best interest, but like, how's that, how's it going to help anybody? Damn, if anything, he sees homeboy on TV getting applause and laughter. Yeah. And I, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, um, I'm sure he didn't get in trouble. I mean, just the host and everybody else. Cause he kind of was exploited the guy who committed oh, the offense, right. you yeah. know, yeah. but, uh, yeah, that is just so fascinating. So, um, yeah, really think twice everybody when you're considering like, <laughs> this is a good idea yeah. when it comes to some of those things. It just, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe get some consultation on some of those things, but Jeez, what a what a wonder what kind of shows are going on. Yeah, for we are here for such consultation. If any uh, West African TV stations want to consult us, we're so so (laughs) I checked our stats. We have exactly zero listeners from West Africa. But uh, if you're the first, then uh, go ahead and reach out. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Well, um, enough of that stuff. What a weird couple of stories, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say to you. I'm done. Cool, brother. All right, well, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. And thanks for listening to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Moore and Mace Warren. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all things related to forensic psychotherapy. As always, you can head over to utahsbesttherapy.com to check out our program and check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you prefer to get your listener fix. Please share this episode with your family and friends, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating, which really helps us out. You guys are awesome. We'd like to stay in chat longer, but we're lying. Good night.